0: Good morning to the saints at Portage and to the saints who are at home, worshiping in your pajamas. Are you going to miss worshiping in your pajamas when we all get together again? (laughs) Wasn't it great to have uh, Pastor Gene back after his time with COVID? And I remind you that last Sunday he spoke about the why of being believers. Isn't it wonderful to have these elder statesmen of the church who have spent the many years serving Jesus? And Pastor Gene is one of those people who's walked with the Lord these many, many years. Well, once again, we're going to turn back to the Scriptures, and um, we're going to look at another one of those statesmen, Peter the Apostle, who in his older years writes the words that we have before us this morning. Carol and I enjoy the opportunity to come and share God's word with you and to share our lives with you. And um, after church, don't hesitate to come and speak with us. We'd like to get to know you if we can. One of the things that's troubling me about COVID is how just ordinary, unplanned, relaxed fellowship seems to be disappearing and retreating from church life. Those just ordinary times of getting together, laughing together, talking together, crying together, praying together. If you notice how it's, it's sort of taking a, a low key, and it's happening all over the world. I don't believe that fellowship is just an add-on extra in church life. I'm convinced. That Christians getting to know each other and carrying each other's burdens and praying for each other and loving each other and sharing each other's lives is a very important part of what God had in mind for His church. So let's pray a blessing upon the reading of His Word, and then we'll get to talk about this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5. So far we've looked at the first four chapters, let's look at the fifth chapter of this letter that Peter wrote and if God spares us then the next Sunday and the next and the next we'll have a look at the second letter that Peter wrote. Our gracious Father, thank you so much for the wonderful privilege of hearing, reading, speaking, thinking and opening our hearts to your word. Your word is this hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Your word is this lamp that shines upon our pathway. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is the sword that cuts asunder between excuse-making and the response to you that there should be. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is to us more than our necessary food in this life. So this morning, as we open again to this part of your inspired word, Father, we pray your Holy Spirit may now come and invest into the very weakness and shortness and limitedness of human speaking and human listening. Invest in, through the power of your word, that which is life-changing, that which is uplifting and inspiring, that which helps us to serve you the way we ought. We pray this in the name of our Savior, your Lord, your Son, our Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Peter writes in the end of his first letter To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will also share in the glory that is to be revealed. I appeal. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when Christ... The chief shepherd appears. You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Younger men, younger women, younger in the faith maybe. In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you. Now He's saying now all of you, old and young, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ... After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And God's people said, amen, amen. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. So here's one of God's supermen. Here's one of God's super saints. Let me introduce you to the lowest moment in this man's life. And you can ask yourself after this, whether you really want to hear anything from a man like this Peter. Come with me in your memory and in your imagination to a courtyard A courtyard in the palace of the high priest in Jerusalem where Jesus is on trial for his life. It's been a long, long day. And now it's the early hours of the morning and it's cold, and there's a fire in a grate. And a man slips in, wanting just somehow to hear how this trial is going to turn out. And he makes his way to kind of the edge of the crowd, And he's standing there trying to warm himself in the fire. At that moment, one of the servant ladies turns around, looks at him in that half haze of the firelight and says, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And he says, I'm not. Wait, 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 wait. We couldn't have heard that right, could we? Isn't this the same man who in the inspiration of God said, when Jesus said, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Isn't this the same man who, who said, if everybody else denies you and forsakes you, not me, I will never deny you. I'm willing to die for you. Two words. I'm not. Are you disappointed? There's part of me that's disappointed. Well, the evening wears on. She leaves it at that. But later, someone else, looking at him, says, you're also one of his disciples. He says, man, I am not. Until someone else says, you certainly are one of his disciples because you've got a Galilean accent. And he begins to curse. The old fisherman language starts to come out. And at one point he says, may God in heaven strike me dead if I ever knew him. By this time, it was early, early morning, and the sun began to come up, and there came a sound from someone's nearby chicken coop. You know what the sound was? It was the sound of the rooster crowing, and Peter remembered That when he had said, if everybody else betrays you, if everybody else forsakes you, I will never... Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you'll have denied me three times. And the scripture says, as the cock was crowing, they must have been bringing Jesus out, he turned and caught Peter's eye. This big, bold, brave fisherman went away weeping. Is there a disciple somewhere here this morning or somewhere listening back there at home? Is there a disciple who has betrayed their trust? Is there a disciple who, whether in word, or action, or failure to speak, has denied the Lord who called them. I want to take you to another fire. Come, come, let's go to another fire. This time the fire is on a beach. And there on the coals are some fish that are being prepared for breakfast. It's back in Galilee. Back in the Galilee, where after all the horror of the crucifixion, Peter had said, I'm going back to my fishing. I'm going back to the life I knew. Long story short, it's Jesus, the risen Jesus. And the disciples are gathered there around that fire. And there comes a moment where Jesus says, Peter, let's, let's take a little walk. And as they walk, he says, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. They walk on. Jesus says, Peter, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus says something to him. They walk on. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? I think you're beginning to understand the three times question, aren't you? By this time, Peter's heart is broken. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to Peter, after each time will you look after will you feed my people there are no private Christian lives it was a public failure and Jesus recommissions the failure To a public ministry. It's no surprise then. He writes. To the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder. A witness of Christ's suffering. And one who will be sharing the glory to be revealed. I make this appeal to you. Will you. Shepherd. God's flock. That is under your care serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Your new pastor is coming. Your new pastor's coming to shepherd that part of God's flock that is represented here in this part of Portage. He's coming willingly to be a shepherd here. He's coming because God wants him to be the shepherd here. Now, whatever there may have been in his past, whatever you may get to learn about him, I believe it's still going to be a Peter experience. We pastors are made of flesh and blood the way you are. We're ordinary like you are. We may even have had phenomenal failures like some of you have. But we come to serve lovingly the flock of God. But you know, there's something I have to tell you. The new pastor... Can't make you into God's flock. And he's not coming here to try and make you into God's flock. Only God can do that. He's coming here to shepherd God's flock. You see, that born again experience we spoke about a few weeks ago, that's what makes you part of God's flock. And when he comes, God's commission will be, look after what I have done in their lives. Now, in order to be God's flock, Peter writes a few things right here, and so I'm going to remind you of what it is for you to be God's flock. You see, you don't want to pay to have a really good pastor so you can be good for nothing. You don't want that. There was a particular church member years ago that was doing some things that really led to irritation and difficulty in the church I was pastoring. And so like most pastors, I threw a couple of broad hints to make them stop doing what they were doing. Now, when pastors get together, they talk about how difficult it is to change people's behavior by throwing some broad hints. Uh, You may be H. B. London who said, some pastors go to seminars where they can learn how to ride dead horses a lot more effectively. So eventually, myself and one of the staff associates, we got this person on one side after a service, and we were quite blunt about it and said, I think it's time you changed this part of your behavior. i never forget it. They said, how dare you ask that of me? You're trying to lord it over me now that you're my pastor. And I must admit, I thought of this verse. <laughs> Shepherd God's flock, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. Hmm. Be willing to be shepherded. Could I ask that of you? Be willing to be shepherded. You know, um, one of the difficulties about shepherding God's sheep is that God's sheep bite. And there's many a pastor that has many a story of going into a situation desiring lovingly to be a shepherd of the person and to suggest some change in behavior and to come away with some very serious tooth marks all over them. Hmm. Now Peter, in his letter, has various themes in these two letters. We've touched on some already. Um, He writes about being born again, suffering for Christ, the last days, loving each other, holiness and victory over sin. And here is one of the powerful themes of what Peter's writing about. He talks about, you are the people of God. See, when you became a Christian, something happened in your life that is more important than being male or female. When you became a Christian, something happened to you that's more important than being rich or poor. When you became a Christian, something happened to you that's more important than being a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent like me. When you became a Christian, there's something that happened to you that's more important than being an American or even healthy or not. When you became a Christian, you became part of the international people of God. Peter writes in his second chapter, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Once you were not, once you were aliens and strangers to the promises of God and to relationship with God, there was a time pre-conversion When you were not part of the people of God. But you have been changed by the grace of God. You're not the same person you were before conversion. You are a special people. Because he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. You are different from every other kind of person in the world. You're the people of God. That's one of Peter's themes. You see, the very first words he writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, writing to God's elect, strangers in the world, that's the truth. That's the truth. You are not to live your lives the way the world does. You're not to live according to the standards and the norms and the practices of this world. You're strangers in this world. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Your pastor is coming to lead a holy priesthood. Your pastor is coming to lead a special people who are strangers to the world's ways but alive to God's ways. Your pastor is coming. To be a shepherd. Of a holy nation. Now. Your pastor can't make you. Into that. He can't make you into God's people. God's already done that. But what he can and must do is continually remind you of what it is like to be God's people, how to live this life that God expects. You know, it's a bit like being a bicycle coach. Who of you here can ride a bicycle? Can I see your hands? Wow, this is about everybody here. Those who can't? We have one in the parking area, we'd like to see you fall. Think back to beginning to ride that bicycle. Maybe some of you can't remember that far back. I mean, 90 years ago is a long time, I will admit. But think back to that day, two wheels. How on earth does one stay up on only two wheels? Although some of you may have cheated and had those funny little wheels on the side, remember them? Who was it that taught you to ride? Who had a mother that taught them to ride? Who had a father that taught them to ride? It seems like dad's job for many of you here. Who just taught themselves? Okay, so, let's think back to that moment. There's the bicycle. There's you. There's those slightly jelly-like knees. You got on. And the adventure began. For some of you, it was quite a short ride, that first one. (laughs) Quite a short one. (laughs) But you had to get back up and get back on. Now, no matter how good the coach is, they cannot make a bicycle rider out of you. You have to experience bicycle riding. But once you can, that's when the coaching can be very helpful. Some of the world's great cyclists owe their skills to great coaches who saw the potential in them to be tour de France or one of these great cycle races and taught them. Your new pastor is coming like a coach. Peter here is doing some coaching to God's people. Hmm. Let's have a look at verse 5. Because here is some of the secret to being well coached. All of you Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. One of the great gifts God may have yet for you through the incoming pastor's ministry can be missed by you by refusing to be humble. You see, there is an aspect to being God's people that requires humility. To refuse to be teachable is one way to stay a stunted Christian the rest of your days. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Stop making being an old dog your ambition. Say in your heart, Lord, I'm going to humble myself and desire coaching From the servant that you have chosen and anointed and sealed and sent here to Portage to coach me in being better at being a royal priest and a part of a holy nation, part of a special people that God has called out of darkness into his light. You see, none of this can happen by itself through osmosis without any attention and unopposed. Everything that God still wants to do in your life, everything that God still wants to do in your life is going to be actively opposed by the devil and his demons. If you think that you've now got to the part of your Christian life where the rest of your days is just going to be ease and luxury and just smoothly getting more and more like Jesus till the day he calls you home, you have a rude shock of coming to you. Not for nothing, Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Which of you are now so spiritual, so prayerful, so self-controlled, so holy that the devil's lost interest in you? Can I see your hand? Which of you are now so outside of any temptation whatsoever that the devil has no desire to even waste time on you? If you're a Christian, if you're part of God's holy nation, if you're part of the flock of God that this pastor is coming to shepherd, be aware that enemy activity will step up as you desire to humbly be coached in your Christian life. It's time to close. It's time for you to go home. I want to pray for you. As you take these next few weeks to prepare your heart according to the influence that Peter has for you to serve the Lord. Would you stand as we pray? Gracious Father, we have asked you to speak to us from your word. And now I'm asking you that everything that is not of your word, everything that is just some preacher sucked it out of his thumb, be removed from our minds, so that that which is from your word, that which we have heard from you this morning, that even perhaps struck a little raw place in our lives, that that may go home with us. Father, use your word to make us more than ever your people in this world if there are some choices that have to be made, if there are some sacrifices that need to be placed on your altar, if there are some life changes that have to happen, would you use your word to bring us to the place where we are willing to serve you, love you, obey you, no matter what? Now, Lord, we pray that your grace and mercy and peace may be upon each of us as this hour of worship closes But once again, we go back to the lives that you've called us to live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming today.